welcome to the Glow Podcast with Dr. Land. Our purpose is to inspire and equip you to live a purposeful and maximized life that makes a glowing difference in your world to God's glory. For more inspiring content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Now let's listen in and be inspired. Let me get to my message. Now you can start timing my message. <laughs> All right, so showpieces. Are you guys there with my sermon now? Okay, so, so a showpiece is something exhibited, especially as an outstanding example of its kind. Another definition in the dictionary is that a showpiece is something that exhibits exceptional quality, something that is worthy of being shown. Something that is worthy or something worth being shown. That's what a showpiece is. It's worth being shown. It's a God show. Amen? Then the other one is something made specifically to be displayed. Something that is made specifically to be displayed. That's what a showpiece is. So a showpiece is designed specifically so that it can show others some things. That's the purpose of its existence, the purpose of its nature. So why we're calling this month showpieces is because this is a month where we're focusing on outreach. We're focusing on how our stories can impact others. When I finished my message last week, the last part of my message, which was about brokenheartedness, brokenness, I said the best way to overcome the brokenness of your past and what you have gone through is for you to find purpose in your brokenness. That's the easiest way. If you keep focusing on yourself, trying to do stuff and all that, that will help you, but you need to find purpose because when you start ministering to others, when you start telling your stories, when you start doing all that, you begin, you are, you are getting to that point of healing because as you heal others, you also, you are healed. So we're moving on with what we started last month going now into how we can now become purposeful with our own stories, with our own brokenness. And that's why we're calling this month showpieces. God has made every one of us specifically to be displayed. Everything that you have gone through up until now is preparing you for your exhibition. Your story is for his glory. Your hurts, your pains, all those things are supposed to be turned around for his glory so that those who are hurt can also experience the comfort that you have experienced or are experiencing in God. There's nothing to be ashamed of about your past. If one of the ways you know you are healed is when, like I told you last week, is when you see this curse, but it doesn't hurt anymore. In other words, who you are is what God is going to use. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to get another person's message. The time has gone, has passed when we will try to, to pretend and be somebody else. You've got to be yourself. Because if it's in authenticity, authenticity and being yourself, that's where your story will go through better. So this month, I'm not asking you to be somebody that you are not. 
I'm asking you to be yourself, to own your stories, to own your truth. Amen? To own your experiences, to own your past, and now to turn it into a message. Because there's somebody who is waiting for that message that will draw them to Christ. Can I get an amen in the house? So our text is, Hospital 2 verse 9, it says, You are a chosen generation, you are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So you are a chosen generation. You are a royal priesthood. And the goal is for you to show, like a translation says, to show for the praises. The NKJV says, to show for the praises, to proclaim, to show for the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are a show. Your life is a show for God. Your experiences, your past, your, what you are going through is a show for God. You are a story of redemption. You are a story of grace. You are a story of mercy. You are a story of reconstruction. You are a story of somebody who was lifted out of darkness. And many people are still in darkness who just want to hear your story. You don't need to become a theologian to become evangelistic. You don't need to become, to go to Bible school to become a contagious Christian. You know, I have um, Alana here. Alana is my very good new friend now. <laughs> you know, she, she said something the first time she came to church. I said, why did you come to church? She's, who invited you? She said, I only saw Joyce. I'm a friend to Joyce on social media. And I see her posting good things every time. Is that not true? She said, I, I just see her posting good. So I said, let me go to the church of this guy, like this girl. <laughs> that is always posting good things every time. Let me just go to her church. She didn't do any theology. She didn't preach anything. What she just did was that she told her story, right? She was just posting good stuff. There was another person that told me that, you know, I think it was last year. So I said, why did you come to church? She said, my, she said, my wife and I added that. We added that as friends. She said, every time that we post, we always post positive stuff. That was a dream. Who is now in Kenya? So she's like, I just said, let me come to that church, you know, because it seems that they are always positive. People are looking for positivity. They are looking for truth. They are looking for upliftment in this world. They have many questions, and they are looking for answers. And you don't need to be a theologian to provide answers. You just need to be authentic. You just need to be authentic. What are your passions? What are your spiritual gifts? What are your experiences? What is it that you love to talk about? Put it in a Christ way. Say it in a way that glorifies Christ, and you'll be surprised to see how people are going to be responding to your message. That is what evangelism is. It's as simple as that. Amen? It's as simple as being good on Instagram. It's as simple as being good on Facebook and LinkedIn. Amen? Giving people positive stuff. Now we have, uh, we have an opportunity now that coronavirus is upon everybody's mind. I said I was going to talk about that. You see, one of, the, one of the ways that diseases spread, apart from the physical way that they spread, you know, the, the mechanism of it spreading, one of the big ways that it spread is through fear. And the media, the media is an, you know, they are complicit in this, whether unwittingly or wittingly. In a sense, they are complicit in it because they operate by sensationalism. 
Somebody just died in California. Somebody just died in so, so, and so, and that. So I'm not saying minimize it, but what I'm saying is that don't buy into the fear. Because like I thought at the beginning of the, of the, I mean, last month, I told you that you are a divinely exempted company. I'm not saying you shouldn't take the medical precautions that you need to take when they tell you with children and all that, but most importantly, take the spiritual precaution. Focus on Psalm 91 than CNN. <laughs> take some time to meditate on Psalm 91. What does Psalm 91 say? It says, no evil will befall you, and no plague will come near your, your dwelling. He said he would deliver you from the pestilences that stalks in darkness. The pestilences that go. He said you will not fear. Take some time to meditate on that and make it yours. That my household, my children, myself, we are protected from every pestilence. We are protected from every plague. Let that fill your heart. Instead of consuming things on Facebook and everywhere about how many people have caught it in China. That is not going to do you any good, except you are a doctor who is dealing with it. That's not your job. Amen. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes. So I want to tell everybody, don't buy into it. Don't buy into the panic. Don't buy into all those kind of stuff. Take the precaution that you need to take, but make sure you don't get into fear. No evil shall befall you. And no coronavirus shall come near your dwelling place. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So we're called to show forth his praises. Now, my, it, my message that I really want, the way I want to focus it today is what I titled Becoming an Iconic Christian or an Iconic Believer. Everybody say, Becoming an Iconic Believer. So, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, I'm going to be dealing with this throughout this. How to become an Iconic Believer. Let me first of all tell you what I mean by an Iconic Believer. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, God said, let us make mankind in our own image and after our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the ground. This is what God said when he wanted to create humanity, mankind, male and female, when he wanted to create us. The word translated image there in Genesis chapter 26 um, in the, the Greek version, the Septuagint, uh, the, the Greek version is the word Icon, which is also the word that, the way we get the word icon. So basically God is saying, let us make an icon. Let us make man as an icon of us. Everybody say icon. What is an icon? An icon is a graphic representation of something. A person or thing that is symbolic of a noted figure. So for example, we have icons on our phones. We have many icons there. Anytime you look at the icon on the phone, okay, you know this is for Facebook, this is for, you know, logo, we call it all that. So they are icons, so they allow you to interact with the real person. So when God says he created us in his image, or he created us as his icon, what he's saying is that he has placed us in this world so that people, when they see us, they can see him. Amen. And then they can, if they want to interact with him, let's say they don't have a di direct relationship with him, when they want to interact with him, when they interact with us, they see him. You guys following me? Jesus said it this way. He said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Anyone who has seen me has seen what? The Father. And then in, in, you know, in another place he said, as the Father has sent me, so also have I what? 
sent you. In other words, the same way God sent me into this world to represent him, to show him. I am also sending you into this world to be my representation, to be the representation of my father. So in your places of work, in the places where you live, you are the icons for God. Somebody say, I'm an icon for God. Now, but it's one thing for you to be by nature an icon, but it's another thing for you to know that you are an icon and to live like an icon. So our goal this month is to get everybody to begin to live with that consciousness that I'm an icon in the places where God has put me. In other words, I am here so that people can see God and interact with God through me. So that's why I'm talking about how to be an iconic Christian. You are not God, but you are an icon of God. You are God's icon. Someone say, I'm God's icon. You are God's show and tell icon. You are God's icon for your family. You are God's icon in your place of work. You are God's icon in your neighborhood. You are God's icon in your city. You are God's icon in your generation. You represent him well. Any place where I get to, that's the conscious. I am an icon here, and I represent God. So what do I do? How do I manifest that iconic nature? So we all must manifest our iconic nature. Amen. By living in purpose. So when I wanted to teach this message, there was, you know, I said this, this year I'm going to use a lot of stories and get people into the Bible and study, you know, just some, you know, you know Bible classes. I'm like, who, you know, who, who, was the, who, who is the best person to illustrate this iconic living and to be able to teach the principles of becoming an iconic Christian? I couldn't find a better person than the person that I'm going to be talking about today. And this came about because of some of the things I said happened this week. So this week, you know, I put some things up in social media you know, to a particular group, you know, on the north side, and then I get some, you know, likes, and then I get some pushback. Up until yesterday, people were still talking, just posting. I didn't say anything. All I said was loving, and they're still posting and posting and talking about that and all that. Somewhere along during the week, I felt, you know, like, anytime I read the thing, I'm like, these people don't even know that, you know, this is love, you know, in operation. You know, I was feeling that, and then I was mulling the message for today, pre- I mean, preparing for the message for the week, and that's when God, you know, led me to this man, and what I learned about him really encouraged me, and I, I believe he's going to encourage you this month as we take some time to look at his story. The name of the man is called Daniel. Everybody say Daniel. So when you talk about being an iconic person, an iconic believer, Daniel is the poster child. Daniel is somebody that we should study, and we're going to be studying him this month. Amen. So let's do some study of him. I'm going to tell you three things about Daniel today, and then we're going to uh, stop. Now, the first thing I want to talk about is what I call the icons placement. The icons placement. You see, whenever God wants to show himself, he's not going to put you in a place where he's already been shown. Then you will be a, <laughs> you'll just be like, you, did, you don't matter. He's going to put you in places of darkness. He's going to put you in that place of work where you are the only Christian. <laughs> or he's going to send you to a place where your message is radically different from the lifestyle there. God asks, he just likes to do that. He likes to put Esther's, you know, in places where their voice, voices are needed. He likes to put Daniel's in places where their message is needed. He loves to bring Jesus into a world of darkness and where they will crucify him. He just loves to do those kind of stuff. So if you are facing head-on collision with the devil because of the place you live and the place you walk and the things you do, welcome to the club. 
You are qualified to be an icon. But if you are only always among your friends, people that believe exactly the thing you believe, the only relationships you have are people that say, yes, 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 you should have that, right? That's why we have small groups. But because we are evangelistic people, we are sent into this world, we also need to get ourselves into places and into relationships where some of our beliefs are challenged. Into uncomfortable relationships. But as you will see later, with a purpose. We need to be in places where the language is not necessarily Christian. Amen. Where they don't say amen to everything that you say. Like I always want you guys to say, amen. amen. You're going to be in places where <laughs> your, your pet beliefs are challenged. They're going to challenge your knowledge of the Bible. Most importantly, they're going to challenge your love. Because that's the way love is being divine, defined now. That love means that, you know, not just accepting the person, but love means that you accept the practices of the person. No, that's not God's definition of love. God's love is that you accept people for who they are. You understand? But all of us need changes in our practices. Don't accept me just for all I do. Accept me because I'm land. Amen. But if I'm doing something bad, tell me. Amen. But don't judge people. Do you get what I'm saying? Law acceptance means that you, you accept people. Their story. That's it. And then you, you, you have conversation and discuss and talk and say, okay, all right, let's find the, 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 the truth. Let's, let's look at the word of God. Let's look at it. How can we change? But don't judge people. Then let them go through their journeys by themselves. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's what acceptance is. Acceptance is not accepting people's practices and beliefs like that. No, that's wrong. That's the world's definition. It's the world's way of hiding in darkness. The Bible says something. He said, he said, anybody that is in darkness does not want the light because the light is going to expose the deeds because the deeds are evil. So, so the placement of the icon for all of you, this is how it happens. Four, four areas. The first one is God will place you in a hostile environment. Sorry, let me start. A humiliating culture, the first one. A humiliating culture. Please go with me now. I want to go quickly. God will place you in a what? Humiliating culture or environment. How do we see it from Daniel? They said, during the third, third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Now, listen, there were two things that happened. First of all, Nebuchadnezzar came. Now, Israel was divided into two kingdoms. I mean, you all remember, right? Israel and Judah, right? Now, Israel had been conquered. Now, Judah was still there. Now, Nebuchadnezzar came because of the sins of Judah and all that and conquered the other part conquered Judah. And then in conquering Judah, what he did was that, he, first of all, when they, when they, when they overcome a, a town, they will take their king. In some place, they will behead their king. You know that one? They will take the king. They will humiliate the king. And when your king is humiliated, a people is humiliated. Then they will take the people as slaves, right, and humiliate them. But the worst thing that can happen to anybody in that culture is when your God is humiliated. 
So usually when they go to a particular place and they fight the war, they will tear down the, their gods and what they worship and all that. So what Nebuchadnezzar did was that after he humiliated the king, took the people as slaves, humiliated them, then he now went and said, the God that you even serve, all the sacred objects in the temple of the God, he took it to, and placed it in the treasure house of his own God. Meaning my God is bigger than your God. So it was a place of what? Humiliation. It's a place where people will shame you. They will shame you because of your beliefs. They will shame you because of the truth that you hold there. Many colleges are like that right now. Many cities are like that right now. That when you, when you bring the word of God, they will shame you. But that doesn't mean that you are wrong. It doesn't mean that you are not on a mission. So we need to learn from Daniel. How did he handle it? Number two, it's a place, please work with me very quickly. It's a place, it's a hostile culture. Everybody say hostile culture. Hostile culture. So it's not just humiliation, it's a hostile culture. The word, of, the word used for Babylon in the Bible is the word Shina. Look at the scriptures that it said. Daniel used the name, so, I'm sorry, uh, hostile culture. Um, do you have the scripture for that? Yeah, very good. So in Daniel chapter 1 verse 2, he said he took him to Shina, right? Now I explained it there. Daniel used the name Shina to describe Babylon. Shina is a biblical name for Babylon that often connotes a place hostile to God and faith in God. The word Shina there means a growl, like a growling, like a growling beast. It's, it's what? It's hostile. So some of you as Christians, you are expecting the world to receive you with love. To receive you with joy. When you proclaim truth and all that, sometimes they will receive you. Do you get what I'm saying? Especially those who have need and all that. But sometimes you are going to face hostility. I want you guys to know that right now, the world we live in right now is very hostile to the truth. It's very hostile to your beliefs. It's very hostile to Christianity. They will come against you. The news without, they will call you a name. And before you know it, other Christians will start calling you that name too. That's what usually it pains me. Believers will start fighting themselves just because the world is fighting a particular person. It's an hostile place. The next one, the place where the icon shines is a hedonistic culture. I'll tell you what I mean by that. You know, hedonism is a pursuit of pleasure and what, you know, what is good, what is, you know, that was just find what feels good for you, what feels good to you, go for it. In other words, if it is good for you, if it makes you feel happy, if it makes you feel good, it doesn't matter whether it violates some principles of nature, principles of anything, just go for it. That's what hedonism is. It's a pursuit of what? Of pleasure. So the culture that the icon is placed is a hedonistic culture. It was a pleasure. Babylon was a, was a culture that took pride in pleasure, pride, accomplishments. They valued success, and you know, they enthroned wisdom, excellence, and all that. Now, some of those things are not bad, but generally, you guys need to know that where you are placed, where you are supposed to be an icon, is a world that values pleasure. So, anything that speaks of not having pleasure is contrary to their beliefs, and they will feel that you are against them, and they will be against you. Am I speaking to somebody today? And finally, it's a hidden culture. 
The placement of the icon is a hidden culture. The word, you know, hidden simply means a culture that does not value God, that does not regard the God, a, a God that practices idolatry. Idolatry in the sense of they, they worship fame, they worship money, they worship other stuff, but not God. So listen, guys, what I just told you is where we have been placed. That is Chicago that I just described for you, whether it's south side, west side, east side, north side, or in the lake. Oh, the suburb. That is where you are being placed. You are living in a territory that does not necessarily, either on the south side, you know, I lived on the south side, and you know, I passed on the south side and all that. I noticed that in this place, religion. Religion, false religion, or fake religion, or religion that just whatever, they will fight you, they will do all that. There's a lot of, you know, poverty and all this kind of stuff. Thank God God is working on it. You get to the west side, it's another thing entirely. You know, you get to the, you get to the north side. That place, it's, oh my God, it's freedom, it's sex, it's booze. It's, I mean, it's just like, it's just very hedonistic. Just, that's why a lot of people travel from the south side to Clark Street. Just drive Clark Street at night. Those of you that drive Uber, right? You see them. <laughs> Many people wearing skimpy stuff and all that. Say, who is the parent of all these children? That <laughs> all over the place. That's the culture that you've been placed to make a difference. Number two, because of time. So the first one is the icon's placement. The next one is the icon's pressures. So as a result of your placement, there are certain pressures that will come against you and your message for Christ. The very first one that Daniel faced was the pressure to fit, the pressure to belong. That's number one. Look at it. Let's read the scripture so you don't take my word for it. Then the king ordered Asphenas, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to, the Babylon, to Babylon as captives. So the slaves that he had humiliated, you know, they separate from one of them. But before you, before you pick them, you have to test their fitness to belong. So the first test of fitness was strong and healthy body. How many of you go through that at work? You go through that on Instagram? You go through that among your friends? A lot of teenagers are going through that right now. A lot of people are going through that right now. We're always, we're, we're trying to fit in the way our bodies are. You know? Because you see, some of you, you, know, you see somebody in sport, they have tattoo all over. They say, ah, man, I got to get a tattoo too so I can be a man. I'm fit. I mean, I was tempted to. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> My wife would beat me up. I'm just kidding. You know, you know, you, you want you want to you want to be you want your body to feel among. A lot of people do different things to their bodies because they are trying to fit into the culture. They tattoo their body, they pierce their body, they do whatever, they shape it, they do whatever, they augment it. I'm, I'm just I don't want to go into it. This is a holy place. Then he says, <laughs> look at it. So the more good-looking young men. So you can put that the pressure of fashion is also there. The fashion pressure. To belong, to be part of the trend, to be trendy, and to do all that. 
So that's uh, you know, part of the pressure of being, fit in, uh, of being able to fit in the culture. He said, make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning and gifted with knowledge and good judgment. So basically, this, this is a mental uh, pressure that people go through, abilities and talent. This is a world that values people that when they stand, they are the, in the orators, they are, the, they are very important, they know how to dress well, they know how to do everything well. So Christians go through the same pressure. We go through the same pressures at work, we go through it in our neighborhoods, and you know what usually happens to Christians? They will try to fit. They will try to fit. They start changing their bodies. They start changing their minds. There's a pressure to learn about witches, about occultism now, because it's the hip thing. It's hip. To learn the Bible is not hip anymore. But if you can know ookie-pookie, you know, stuff... Because a lot of movies on Netflix right now, they're like, this witch is doing this one, this one is doing that. So it's cool, amen? It's cool to do those things. So a lot of Christians are trying to be that. Because they want to belong, they want to be among. Because it's accepted. Hallelujah. So the, world, the pressure to fit is one of the pressures that an icon will face. And we face, we face that pressure. Because we want to be among. The next one, the next pressure is the pressure of fun. The pressure of what? Of fun. Look at that. Food and wine. They said, the king assigned them daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchen. So yeah, they were in that culture and he's trying to change them. Do you get what I'm saying? So he says, you know, let, first of all, we start with whether they are fit. So they go through all that. Then now the next thing is we give them some wine and food. Let them wine and just have some pleasure and all that. We are facing the pressure. That is why all the movies, like all the movies that are coming at you, those movies have agendas. They were written by people who have agendas. You understand? And they, there's something they are trying to pass across to you, but they package it in fun. They love, fun is good. I love fun. Like I just talked about right now. Do you get what I'm saying? But I love purposeful fun. But there's a lot of things that we do for fun that is programming us to eat the food of Babylon. It's to drink the wine of Babylon. It's so that you can change and completely forget, as you will see, for completely forget who you are. So if you have been drinking the wine and you have been eating the food, don't feel condemned. Today is the day of change. It's time for you to define your pleasures. It's time for you to define your pleasures. What, what, are, what are the things you are going to do for pleasure? Choose things that are wholesome. Choose things that will advance towards your purpose and that will make you even feel closer to God. That all the pleasure that you do, that you have to wash yourself afterwards because you feel so dirty. The next one, the pressure of facts. The pressures of what? Of fact. Look at it. It says... They were trained for three years. And then they will enter the royal service. In other words, they put them inside intense training to give them new facts about the Babylonian system. Many of you do not know that you are undergoing the pressure of facts. There were some things that you used to believe before, but suddenly you don't believe it anymore because you have been convinced otherwise. Because they, they bombarded you with facts. You know the way they do it now? They put you in the university system for three years. And then they bombard you with contrary facts. If you, have, if you don't have the foundation, you will lose your faith. 
the pressure of facts. So listen, you need to know when you are hearing facts and all that, some of the things you argue about, you need to check it with the word of God. Is it really the truth or is it just facts? Because there's been between truth and facts. Are you getting what I'm saying? Many people in the church right now have accepted facts that are not biblical because that's what the culture accepts. There's no truth. The final one, the pressure to forget. Now, everything is leading to this. All those pressures that you're going through, the pressure of fun and all that, is really what they were going, what they were going for with Daniel and his company was so that they can forget their Jewish lineage. And the ultimate thing that you can do to make somebody forget is to change their names. Look at it. Next verse. The chief of star renamed them with these Babylonian names. Daniel was called Belteshazzar. Hananiah was called Shadrach. Mishael was called Meshach. As I was called. You need to study those names so you will know what was taking place. Now, when you listen to the names of those people, you will discover that Daniel and Azariah, they had a faith foundation. So Daniel and his friend, they had a faith foundation. But the new names they were giving them were totally new names that were the names of another God. Let me just quickly give that name. Daniel's name means my, God, my judge is God. Ananias' name means Yahweh has shown grace. Mishael means who is what God is. Azariah means Yahweh has helped me. The new name they gave them means Bell's princess. Abednego means servant of Nebo. That's the god of, uh, you know, the gods of the Babylonian, you know, Bell and Nebo. Amen. Bell and the dragon. The, the reason why they changed their names was so that they can forget their foundations. So listen, the world may not change your name literally, but they begin to change your identity. They begin to change the thing you believe in. I'm talking about the culture that we're in right now. This is a culture that wants to change your facts, that wants to change your feelings, that wants to change your foundation so it can change your future and so that it can take away your fire. And the, 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 the terrible thing is that a lot of Christians have lost their fire. I know some people that we started this church together and whatever, and they've lost their fire. Because the world has changed them. I know people that were Christians, that when we became Christians, uh, that they've lost their fire. Because they've been subjected to the facts, they've been subjected to all those things, and so they have lost their fire. They have lost, and they have lost their future. They have lost the real reason why God placed them in the culture. They have lost it. You are not going to lose yours in the name of Jesus. Let me, let me round up by talking about the solution, which is the final thing, the icons playbook. So we've talked about the icons placement, the place where you're going to be placed. We've talked about uh, the icons pressures, the pressures that we go through as people who are supposed to, you know, proclaim the message of Jesus. Now let's talk about the icons playbook. In other words, how, how do, and this is what I'm going to be working on as we move on in the story of Daniel uh, this month. Uh, we're going to be looking at the playbook of Daniel on how to become influential how to become an icon for God and to lead people to Christ until we're going to do this for about six weeks until Easter because we're going to have a powerful service on Easter. You know, so we're going to reach out to people and all that. But I want to show you what, what is the playbook. What, what is the playbook of the, of the icon? Let me just give you uh, just two today and I'm going to end with that. Actually, three, three today. Quickly, I'll do it very fast. The first one, let me first say this thing. You either become a world changer or you will be changed. 
Tell your neighbor, say, you either become a world changer or you will be changed. There's no middle ground. You must either be a thermometer or a thermostat. A thermostat dictates to its environment. A thermometer receives from its environment and the environment dictates to it. We're called to be thermometers. We're supposed to influence the culture. Sorry, we're called to be thermostat, I'm sorry. We're supposed to what? Influence the culture. So in other words, we're the one that determines the temperature of our environment, not the temperature of our environment determine who we are. Any place where God puts us, we are the thermostat. I am the thermostat on the north side. The north side is not going to determine my temperature. You are the thermostat on the south side or wherever God has put you. That place is not supposed to determine your temperature. You are the thermostat of your workplaces. You are the thermostat of your neighborhood. You are the thermostat in your family. Don't let what is going on determine your temperature. You determine the temperature. But you know the way the thermostat works? The thermostat will set its temperature. Like in this place right now, you go to that side, you set it at 80 or whatever, then everything begins to rise to that level. That's the way a thermostat works. So the first thing you do, the first thing that you must do to be able to work the playbook of an influencer, of an icon in this world, is you must take the icon's pledge. The icon's pledge. Daniel chapter 1, it says, But Daniel purposed in his heart that he will not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. In other words, the pressure is coming, the pressure is mounting, the environment is hostile, everybody is talking against you and all that. You need to make that decision. I don't care what pressure comes against me. I have made a principled decision. I am a man and a woman of purpose. I am here to fulfill something. I'm here for an assignment. I'm here to be an icon for Jesus. And I purpose in my heart. I am not compromising. I'm going to do what the Bible says. I'm going to live the way God wants me to live. You make that decision first. It starts with a decision. If you don't stand for something, you will fall for anything. You have to stand for something. People have to know you for something. They might hate you for it. Some will like you for it. Some will love you for it, but they will know that you are authentic. What do you stand for? What do you stand for on Facebook? What do you stand for in media? Are you ambiguous? Do people know you for something? Can Alana come to church because of your post? What do you stand for? What are you known for? When you go to my Facebook page, go to my Instagram, go to my Twitter, go to my LinkedIn, go to everywhere, you go to it, people can know what I stand for. You have to take the icon's pledge. They are not going to compromise. You are going to, this message, you are going to share it based on how you understand it, with love. You are not, but you are not going to compromise it. Quickly, because of time. The next one. I said three, three things in the playbook today. The icon's pursuit. So one thing is a pledge. Now the second thing is, listen, even though you have made the pledge, you are still in that world. Do you get it? In that hostile world. There are certain things that you, are, you, are, you still have to go to work. 
You still have to live in the place. You still have to do that. What icons, God's icons do, is that they will turn what was supposed to pressure them, they will turn it into purpose. So while Daniel was being told that they have to study, you know what Daniel did? Daniel and his friend took the, took the time to understand the system better than those who designed it. Daniel was preparing for the time he was going to become prime minister in the place, or president, or you know, in a day, and he was going to be speaking to all of them. So what it took, it took time to understand what was going on. So listen, this Christianity of, oh, we're in this world, but we don't want to know what is going on outside. It's an isolated Christianity. It's not an evangelical Christianity. You need to be able to sit down with gay people and talk with them. You need to be able to sit down with people that oppose what you believe and be able to talk to them and learn from them and say, what do you believe? I don't understand it. What is this and what is that? But you already made your principled purpose, but you understand where they're coming from so that you can relate to them with love, so that you can build bridges of hope. Not by isolating yourself. Just because you see somebody doing something, we need to engage with transgenders, engage with gay people, engage with you know, people who are involved in all kinds of things that are contrary to what we believe. In a sense. But I'm telling you, accepting people does not mean that you accept their practices. But you've got to accept people. Then you need to sit down and talk and all that. They took some time. Look at what they did. They took time to learn it. Give me the scripture quickly. God and God gave them wisdom to be able to navigate it. God gave these four young men an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. God gave Daniel special ability to interpret the meanings of visions and dreams. When the training period ordered by the king was completed, the chief of staff brought all the young men to King Nebuchadnezzar. In other words, Daniel immersed himself in that culture. And he learned. He went to where they hurt. He went to the clubs. He went to the coffee shop where they were eating. You know, he sat down at work and talked with his friend. What do you truly believe? What is going on? But he wasn't doing that because he was trying to find himself. He had already found himself in Christ. He was doing it with a purpose. He had already made the icons pledge. I'm here for a difference. I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to love. But I need to know what these people are going through so that I can be able to build bridges so that I can reach out to them. Learn the language. If you want to reach professors, you have to talk like professors. You want to reach academics, you have to learn to talk like academics. Are you getting what I'm saying? So they turned it around and finally, the, the, the icons playbook, their key thing was their peculiarity. Look at it. Give me the, the passage. Peculiarity means as they were learning, they, were, they had distinction. There was something different about them. The king talked with them and no one impressed him as much as Daniel. Ananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the royal service. Whenever the king consulted them in any matter requiring wisdom and balanced judgment, he found them ten times more capable than all of the magicians and enchanters in his entire kingdom. He says, you are a peculiar people. You are a royal priesthood. What he's saying is this. Number one, as you go through, as you are planted in an hostile environment, as you go to the pressures of the environment, begin to use the icons playbook. The first thing that you do in the icons uh, playbook is what? What? Make the pledge that I am here as a world changer, right? Then number two, what is the second one? Turn that, that thing into learning more about the people. And then as you do that, excel, be different. Excel in that environment. Excel in love. They let people see you, his family is different. Her family is different. 
There's just something, you know, the town said, there's a joy that you guys just exude. There's a peace that you guys just exude. I, you know, I want to have that peace. I, you know, I may not agree with everything that you are saying, but I just see this peace. People are looking for peace. People are looking for joy. People are looking for purpose. People are looking for victory. People are looking for meaning. People are looking for acceptance. Are you getting what I'm saying? You live that. Exude that. Be better at it. Excel in it. Amen. And you'll be a witness in your place of work and everywhere that God will put you. This is the playbook of the icon. And we're going to be learning more about how it was, it was applied then. But it is relevant to you. The decision we have to make right now is that decision that we are here to turn our brokenness into purpose. We have been redeemed by God. God is healing us of our brokenness, but there's still a world that is broken. And so the world is hostile. They are hostile to God and hostile to anybody who talks about God. I, so, sometimes because of the mistakes that other people have made in the past and now we have been categorized that we're not loving. But then what we do is we make a decision that I'm here to make a difference anyways. Even though you hate me, I'm here to love you. Let me tell you one of the things that we did on the north side this week that was fun for me and I'm going to end with that. So I put a post up on the group. It was just a post that said, Happy New Week to you all. <laughs> it was to 10,000 10, residents of Rogers Park. I designed something. Happy New Week to you all. <laughs> Go about your day, you know, joyful. Something good will happen to you. Yesterday is in the tomb. Tomorrow is in the womb. And right now is the opportunity to bloom. That was my only message. <laughs> then I put it there, glow church. And this and that. And then... Somebody came up. Do you accept this? Another responded. Somebody went and put our, went and did research and put our statement of faith there. And the simple statement of faith that they put there is that we believe that human beings were created as male and female at the beginning. And that male and female joined together in marriage. That's what they posted there. So then people started coming up. You know? Putting, you know, I didn't even know that there was an icon, there was something of I know like I know love. I didn't know angry was there. It was, I said, where did Facebook add angry? It used to just be love. I just see angry faces. You know, I was like, wow. <laughs> and then we had some people supporting and, and all that. But you know what I did? A man posted something up there and says that I am in, my wife had an accident and we're not. Um, you know, we can't, both of us can't work because I'm also on disability. We're at home and we needed that in the group. So I picked up that guy and I contacted the guy. And I said, I saw your story. So I called the person who, who is the, uh, what do you call it, the, the moderator of the group. And I said, that story, is it real? Is this person real? The person said, yeah, he's a real person. He's actually talked about what the person does in Chicago and all that and everything. So I contacted the person. And I said, I saw your story. We want to help you. Glow Church. So the person was, he was, ah, and all that. So he sent me a message and everything. And you're up. So we sent some money to them. The guy sent the message back. So excited, thankful. Let me thank your church people. And that's the church that people were criticizing. You get what I'm saying? But the church is working underground to show what true love truly is. That is how you beat the world. That is how you beat the culture. Show them the love of Christ 
but don't compromise your message and you'll be victorious. Come on, rise up on your feet. Give God some praise. Amen. Let me, let me quickly pray for you guys. Lift up your hand. I'll quickly pray for you. Lift up your hand. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know, as we begin this journey of learning to be an icon for you in our world this month, I just pray for everybody under the sound of my voice and those, of, those people that are watching me online right now. Father, I pray for grace and the anointing to be able to live this message. Let everyone in City Light Church and those who are watching me or will listen to this thing, let them realize that they've been placed here to be lights, to be icons for you. And Father, let every one of us begin that journey, that adventure. Lord, by your own hand, place us in the place where we can have the most adventure with this. Lord, this week, let there be opportunities to share, opportunities to witness, opportunities to show love, opportunities to tell our story. Let every social media page that is represented in this audience online and in this place become a pulpit for Christ. Let every social media place become a place where the, the, the truth of Christ, the joy of Christ, the life of purpose is being displayed. And let your glory fill the land. Let people come to know you. Let your love permeate. And for those who are broken in our society, help us, Lord, to be able to learn how to minister to them and how to show them who you are. Thank you, precious Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give God a shout of praise and appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Globe Podcast. We trust you were blessed and inspired. For more content from Dr. Land, visit our website at www.pastorland.com and follow at Pastor Land on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Keep glowing. See you next time.